0: back to another episode of Speaking Literally where the books speak for themselves. I'm Liz and I'm Holly and we are very excited tonight uh, to have a special guest on uh, which is going to be the author Jason Rakulek um, who wrote Hidden Pictures and he will be joining us in just a short moment but before that let's jump straight in with Bookish Buzz. So uh, the first one is really quite a, a Good news for anyone who's an Emily Henry fan. So 3,000 Pictures is adapting uh, Emily Henry's People We Meet on Vacation. And Brett Haley, who also um, directed a film called All the Bright Places, is going to direct. So that's really exciting. You've read that book, haven't you? You read it last year, didn't you?
1: I did. I read it um, about a year and a half ago. So last, not this past summer, but the summer before. It was my first Emily Henry book. And uh, I... I have the unpopular opinion of not particularly enjoying it as much as everybody else did. Um, I just, I, you know, I'm not a huge friends to lovers fan. Um, and I Mm. just, I don't know. I mean, I liked the concept. I liked the traveling aspects of the book. I will still watch the movies partially because I read the book and I'm, I'm always interested in book to movie adaptations, but, um, it wasn't. It wasn't one of my favorite books. Have you read it yet?
0: I haven't. No, the only one I've read by Emily Henry is Book People
1: and I Book really Lovers. That
0: one. That was Book Lovers. Yeah. Yeah. Book Lovers. That was. I really enjoyed that one. Oh, I loved that one. Um, but I haven't
1: read it. As, yeah. Yeah. As so, yeah. I mean, I'm excited. Do you did Did you know? Um, do you know if it's like picked up by a streaming service to to adapt it, or is it going to be like a big theater big screen release I don't know because um, I know like there's so much popularity right now with streaming services and um, you know and the difference and sometimes it's like it gets released in both places like especially things that come out on like Disney plus you can either go see it in the theater or see it um, Wait, did I
0: add this one onto the document then
1: I don't remember <laughs> <laughs> Are <you ready> for- <laughs> plan for our shows you know uh, it's a, it, you know a month in advance sometimes <laughs> so i don't know i was just curious i was, we... what mentioning. I was like because yeah, um, i'm having a like i'm seeing okay because then i'm uh... like oh, we probably should have prepared a little bit better for this because now it's like um is it going to be like on amazon prime is it going to be on netflix uh you know is it coming out in 2023 um 2055 when you know when are, when are we releasing this sucker um but i don't right.
0: think it's yeah i don't think it says anything about whether it's being streamed or anything so maybe it's just a normal film normal yeah. cinema release.
1: and maybe it's pretty early in the um the, the news of it and the yeah. planning pieces of it so all right well we'll have to like just watch for more information coming out about that one so, push his space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so it is currently November. I cannot believe it's already November, but it is. And so, with November comes the Nano RIMO, um, so the National Novel Writing Month. For those of you who um, don't like acronyms, so Liz, are you participating?
0: I am. Um, I had a bit of a, a rough start to the month, and I just couldn't think really of any ideas um, for the first two days. And I was, was seriously considering not taking part, but then I think about on third, I just got like an idea in my head and just started writing. So yeah, no, I've had, I am taking part. I have put my name down on the website again, and then actually seen my uh, my last one which I managed to complete it somehow um eight years ago in 2014 oh wow Uh, so that was yeah I managed to get all 50,000 words done but then when I looked at my word count each day I'm thinking don't know if I'm gonna be able to get (laughs) 50,000 this this time because I think I did something crazy like two to three thousand words a day and yeah uh, it's just crazy but yeah I'm taking part and I've started um obviously way behind schedule but it's only the fifth so that's time to catch up
1: so what is uh what what kind of story are you writing
0: uh mine's just going to be like a a women women's literature so it's just going to be kind of like a uh kind of contemporary fiction And I'm going with what we discussed before about having the main character as having it because I just feel like it's a massive. It's one of those things which just isn't represented in any fiction that I've ever read or heard of. Um, I mean, there's loads of diseases and conditions out there which are underrepresented. But Mm -hmm. having kind of personal experience with it is something that's easier to talk about and easier to kind of. I know about it so
1: yeah it's easier to write about I think it's Um, always easier to write about something that you you have that personal connection and personal experience with because it makes it more authentic and then if it's more authentic to you it's going to come across that way to the reader and to the words you put on the paper so um
0: no exactly so it's going to be kind of like a a journey of kind of self-discovery and like learning to to accept herself the way she is and basically like imperfections and and all kind of thing
1: Oh, I so, love
0: that. I'll a bit of romance in there. <laughs> uh,
1: ha- of course, has to be. <laughs> of course,
0: it's con- it's contemporary fiction it always has to have romance. Yeah. Um, how about you? You're taking part
1: this year, aren't you? I am taking part, and I so I tried to do this um maybe three years ago, uh I, mm, two years ago. I don't. I can't remember if it was the um if it was 19 or if it was 20, like right around COVID. Um, and I did the whole like signing up on the website and doing all that. And it's just, I, you know, I want to do it and I'm participating, but I kind of like do, I like doing things on kind of my own terms. Um, and like, I, I, I get why, you know, it's like, here's something that's going to hold you accountable. It's, it's, you know, get your 50,000 words. Um, yeah. I like just the more, the more of the idea that, you know, it's going on and I can kind of participate because yeah, I can like, yeah. it makes sense, but I just am, I'm trying not to put pressure on myself because, you know, like you, I kind of have, um, a busy start to the month, but, you know, I just, you know, my, my day job is I've been working 14, mm-hmm. you know, 14 to 16 hour days, most, most days. So it doesn't give me a lot of time to write when I, without neglecting my, uh, my family. So, yeah. um, <laughs> so there are days I'm not writing. Um, I'm trying to, tr- yeah. you know, write about, you know, somewhere between a thousand and fifteen hundred 1500 words when I do sit down to write. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to be nice to myself and not hold, myself to too many expectations and um you know i i've been wanting to start this this story for a while i've had a lot of ideas in my head and so um, a couple months ago i had people vote on a bunch of first sentences i'd written for all the different story ideas i had and people voted so that's the one i'm writing uh and it's you know, it's funny because we've interviewed a lot of authors on this podcast, and like, you know, we're getting ready to to interview another one in a little bit. Yeah. That you know, we're both like just super stoked to talk to. Um. But a lot of the we always ask the question, "What advice do you have for someone who you know, like an aspiring writer?" And they always are like, "Just, just start, just start writing, right, yeah. just get words down." And it's been really funny because I started when I started typing. Um, my story, like, I don't know, Tuesday or Wednesday, I didn't have character names. I didn't have names of, like, where they lived. I, I just, I had nothing. I had an I character. Yeah. And so, like, I'm trying, I'm typing, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I need, I need to figure out a name. So then I'm like trying to figure out cool names. And so it took me, like, you know, forever to, to get, through, to get through my evening of writing because I just hadn't planned anything. And then as I'm going, It's just like the words are just like things are just happening. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll do that. And it's just like, and so it's like writing itself. And I'm like, yeah, let's just see where it goes. Um, But
0: that's exactly what I'm like because I'm I can't like I can plan, but the chances are if I plan, it will still completely change from what I've done. I much prefer just to kind of get pen to paper and just. See what comes out, kind of thing, and see where the story goes, because I find that, yeah, as you say, as it as it goes along, it's almost like the characters kind of develop by themselves, mm-hmm. kind of it, it they they move the story along. Mm-hmm. Um, I started writing, yeah, about the same time as you, but maybe Thursday or Wednesday, and once I got it, once I started, it just it felt a lot easier. It's that physical first step of actually. Starting to get the story down. But once you start it, yeah, I just found it so much easier to get it down. And Mm -hmm. like you, I don't, realistically, I don't, I'm not going to push myself to 50,000 words for November because it's just really difficult to do. I think I wasn't working and in the year that I did completed it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I think using this month as almost like a motivation, as almost like an inspiration that other people are writing and it's yeah, as you say, it's just easy as like a little push, but without the pressure of, I have to write 2000 words a day or I'm not going to succeed.
1: Yeah. Cause I think today, cause we record on Saturdays show drops on Monday. So it's Saturday, which is the fifth. So, and I think, you know, on day five, I don't know if I'm going to get a lot of writing done today because I have a busy day, Um, but I'm not – I'm just under 3,000 words right now is where I'm at. But I'm Mm -hmm. further along than I have ever been. So like you, getting as much done as as we can, as we feel good doing by the end of the month, I'm hoping that I'll be far enough – into the story and invested in the characters and what's happening that I'm not going to want to stop and that I'll just keep going at the, the pace that I'm going at and you know definitely it's not like I'm like, I have mm-hmm. to have this book done by, you know, February 1st. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah well, we don't have agents yet. so <laughs> uh, Yeah, so if any <laughs> agents are listening, you know, <laughs> we will totally, you know, talk to you and listen to your pitch. <laughs> um, so For a decent advance, we'll also stick to a deadline as well. <laughs> yes, you know, and if that advance could be enough to live off of so I could quit my day job, <laughs> then I could get the book done sooner. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> that's
2: true. Exactly.
0: Uh, and
1: I would like, so I'm writing more of like a fantasy. Um, so I would like my my dream has always been to write a series or like a trilogy. So, so nice. there you go, agents. For those of you listening, I'm I'm looking at giving you three books.
0: Only <laughs> well, wants a multi book deal. Come on, do it. let's it go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. Um, so yeah, but uh, somebody else had asked me if I was uh, registered on the site, and I hadn't. But um, I might go back in and just.
0: Uh, I was going to say, if you're already, um, if you signed up to it last time, then you'll still be on the site because I've still got my login from. Like, I think I first signed up to it 2013, and I don't think I wrote much towards like a couple of thousand words. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it's quite funny looking back. Oh, and my username is um, journo88. Oh. It
1: was like, what? Yeah, I don't know. I was like, cause
0: like I, a union.
1: <laughs> Yeah, because I know that I'm signed up because I still get all the emails. And so um, yeah, I just haven't been back on the site to like, you know, I I don't know, like to re-engage with it for this year or whatever. But yeah. Um, all right. Well, I can't wait when we record again for our December episode to um, –
0: Exactly. Talk about exactly. Watch the space forum. Yeah. So
1: where 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 we ended up with our word count. So. All right, we'll exactly. see. So stay tuned.
0: That's right. Uh, so <coughs> on to the next thing, and this isn't really news. This is more us uh, finally being able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And that is where the Cordadz Sing movie. Um, it finally came to digital. So I managed to watch it about a week ago now. About time. Uh, my, I know. Oh, my God. Um, So this was an interesting one because, obviously, the book um, came out, well, about three, four years ago now. Mm -hmm. It was quite a while ago. Um, I really enjoyed it. I read it. um, Actually, I read it pretty much similar time to when I first joined Bookstagram, and I really enjoyed it. But, Holly, you weren't quite as keen where you were the book.
1: I didn't mind the book. Just Kaya, I had a love-hate relationship with. She drove... Mm her character drove me crazy like she just i yeah. just mm, she just drove me crazy but i liked the story and i i liked certain aspects yeah, okay. of her but she, yeah
0: she was quite annoying at times i liked the setting i really liked the kind of the setting and the time period mm-hmm. um because it was just different from what we've usually read what we've usually um what, well, well yeah what we usually read
1: and that was my favorite uh, part of the movie okay. was the setting. I loved how yeah. they they picked such a beautiful setting um, because it really mm. did, you know, depict the marsh. And it was it was beautiful to see it on screen. Definitely, yeah.
0: Uh, I would like – I wanted to live in her, her cabin. I
1: thought oh, it was, like, so nice. You know, and, and, <laughs> I live there. And I think that's the other piece about, like, the movie, and I think we briefly talked about this over the summer when I had first seen it, um, Mm. was, you know, some of the stuff was just too nice for Mm. what was, you know, described in the book. Like, she was too clean all the time. Like, she...
0: Much too clean. Yeah. And then you saw, like, clothes that she was wearing, and it was all really nice clothes when really i mean you looked at you saw her as a a kid and she was wearing like ratty dungarees and mm-hmm. she was dirty and that's how you'd expect that her you expected her to be as a grown up because all she did to earn a living is um pick up mussels collect nut mussels and sell them to the the shop so yeah no it was it was too hollywood yeah and um, like in and, that respect.
1: and the scene <laughs> the scene in the movie where She's in town and she runs into um, what's his face? Not Tate, because that's the one she ends up with. What's the other guy's name?
0: I can just see, doesn't it? Like, uh, I can't
1: infant. remember, but but the. The the stupid guy, the guy who's like, you know, using her and whatever, Um, when she she runs into him in town and she realizes that he's engaged to to Pearl or whatever her name was, you know, they are for that time period, they are the sophisticated, wealthy, you can see that in them, but with her right beside them she there wasn't, that contrast. there wasn't there there like she could very yeah. well have just been anybody else who lived in town who you know may not be as yeah. wealthy but still put together and it's just like the contrast between her and the townspeople just yeah it wasn't as different and separated as i think it should have been
0: no i completely agree i mean in the book that was portrayed a lot better that she was kind of this kind of outcast and this dirty kind of um very unfashionable person whereas the clothes you wore were actually pretty fashionable yeah. so i thought that the story was was pretty good they st- they stuck to the book mostly um obviously they changed like a few details here and there which yeah. is always to be expected but i thought the story they yeah they step- they stuck to the story really well um setting as you say was i thought that was really good um but i mean what did you think overall
1: I liked it. I thought it was a good movie. My husband, obviously he, (laughs) that's not a book he would have read, but he did go see the movie Mm -hmm. with me and he enjoyed the movie. He thought it was a good movie. Um, You know, it's, uh, I thought it it did well to keep to the, the, the integrity of the book. And that's something that I think, you know, as, as book lovers, we really like to see sometimes it staying true to the book because we fall in love with the book. Uh, And, we always know that you can't take, you know, a three to 400 page book and translate every single word to the screen. It just, you can't have a 10 no. hour movie. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> yeah, I liked, I liked the movie because, you know, I did like the plot. I thought there were a couple areas that were rushed, um, especially towards the yeah. end with the, when you actually see how everything kind of comes to be and the Mm. you know the closing arguments and the kind of that piece of the of the trial i think some of those pieces were a little bit more rushed than they could have been and other areas were extended that probably didn't need to be yeah uh you know i think that they did a good job with tate and kaya's relationship um you know no definitely so but overall i thought it was a really good movie
0: yeah no definitely and i mean it's such a risk changing adapting a, a book into a film because we've seen so many times where it's just gone wrong and you just you just think why did they do that and it's very very rare that the, the film is better than the, the book i mean i can probably name if i had to think about it maybe two if that uh but again this one it the book is better than the movie but the movie is still a fun watch yeah. it's still a, a good watch i would
1: agree all right, moving on. So there's just kind of three more little things that have been going on that we're just going to kind of quickly highlight. Um, and, of course, I have to mention this one because last month we had made a bet about um, Colleen Hoover and when she would you know, not have a monopoly in the top five. And we were both wrong, but Liz was closer, so she gets the win on that bet. <laughs> and then we made a bet about who was going to win the Booker Award and liz pick i can't remember what the name of the book was that you oh glory you picked the book of glory that's um, the one yeah yep. and it because, because you because if i remember correctly you <laughs> said quote i like the goat because there was a goat <laughs> on the it cover okay. of the book yep so you're like i, I want need, the goat yeah
0: neither of us knew anything about these books so you we know. based it but we judged the book by its cover. We really did.
1: One hundred percent, we did. You liked the goat, and I picked the Seven Moons of Mali Amida Amida because I thought that I really liked the abstract, colorful face that was on it. Um, so, but the a winner was announced uh, in a London ceremony on October seventeenth, and the winner was. The Seven moons of Molly Amida by Sheehan and Sheehan I respect you enough to not try to pronounce your last name because I'm not good with pronouncing last names um, but um kudos to um to him for winning that award it's a it's a huge honor to win this um and I know that the seven moons does take place in Sri Lanka so it's a um, so, yeah, so it's not really even a location or setting that we hear a lot about. So um, so yeah. that was the, the, the two, 2022 Booker Prize, went to the seven moons.
0: It's probably one of our last um, book awards of the year, isn't it? Which I believe so. I
1: think. Yeah, because now we'll be moving uh-huh. into all the books of the year.
0: I, of course, yeah. Yeah, I've already seen that Waterstones have got their shortlist for their book of the year up.
1: Mm, yep. All right, what else? What else we got going on? Okay, so uh, we
0: mentioned this before on um, on here about the Sandman adaptation that came to Netflix uh, about a few months ago now. Um, but now we've just had it announced literally a few days ago that they have renewed it. Um, they've been renewed by Netflix for a second season, um, which is really good news. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Holly probably hasn't seen it still. because She doesn't watch anything. <laughs> Until it's been about six months, so she'll probably see it in about March time. Okay, yeah,
1: yeah. It, <laughs> wow, you have me pegged. <laughs> Uh yeah I I I don't watch things until like Liz has had the opportunity to nag me about it for yeah about six months and then I'll then I'll I'll get around to watching <laughs> it but I hear it's really good so uh. it is really
0: good yeah and and um the main guy does a brilliant job of playing uh the prince of dreams and nightmares yeah. so yeah I definitely would recommend it I mean we've we've done this enough times I know you by now Holly <laughs> I know.
1: Right, how long did it take girl, me to watch Shadow really and Bone year. I mean. Sorry. That was about six months. Yeah. <laughs> I, I won't wait six months now for season two because I've already watched season one. So now I'm invested and I need to watch it. Okay. So cool. I'll, I'll probably watch it when it comes out. Um, nice. The last, the last little thing is we never really talked about it. I don't think when it happened, Um, Mm -hmm. but the Satanic Verses author um, uh, Salman Rushdie, he he was attacked in New York about two months ago when he was getting ready to give um, a a speech. Uh, And you know he's he's been in the limelight of controversy since he wrote the book. And, you know, he's had lots of death threats made to him over the years. And, you know, whether you agree with what he writes or what he doesn't, he was brutally, brutally attacked. He was stabbed in the neck, stabbed in the chest. Um, And as more is coming to light about what his injuries were, because not a lot was released immediately. Mm -hmm. um, But we do now know that um, he, he... Due to his, his injuries, um, he has lost sight in one of his eyes, uh, due to the, the stabbings that occurred in his neck and the nerves that were damaged and severed. He's lost, he's lost use of one of his hands. So he, you know, this was, this is a pretty sad, devastating thing to have happened to, to him. Um, and, you know, we talk a lot in the past about book banning and censorship and people saying you can't read this, you can't read that. Again, read what you want. Don't agree with people if you don't want to, but nobody has the right to attempt to kill someone over a book, period. I'm sorry. I mean, yes, he
0: is the, he's the kind of epitome of why we need freedom of speech because, Mm -hmm. so he wrote this book back in, I think it's the eighties or seventies, eighties. And, yeah, And um, Iran actually put on what's called a fatwa, basically saying, kill this person and we'll mm-hmm. give you money. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's never been officially lifted. So the, the president said, uh, the president of Iran did say, oh, it's been lifted, but it was never officially done. So people, especially religious leaders in that country, are still like, yeah, if you see him, try and assassinate him. And it's just, it's awful the amount of times that this guy has been um that's had an attempted assassination on him Mm -hmm. i mean
1: he's it's like he's a cat (laughs) he does (laughs) and i believe he's like he's in his 70s i believe as well um yeah yeah. he
0: is 70 i thought he was
1: 75 he's 75 yeah 75
0: yeah so um
1: yeah so you know very, very sad thoughts are with him hope he gets better and um So, um, all right, then to wrap up this quick little segment here. All right, um, New York Times bestseller list. So, Liz, probably not a surprise to you, um, but we do know that uh, about a week and a half ago, um, Coho released her newest book. So surprise, it's still number one. (laughs) so no, no, i right really? no, so and horrible. she's back into the monopoly as well so she has the number one the number three and the number five this week so um it starts with us remains at number one it ends with us is at number three and Verity is hanging in there at number five um the only new book this week what was think...
0: go ahead what I was just going to say, it would have been funny if It Ends With Us was number five, because then okay. you could have, like, It Begins With Us, It Ends With Us, and then Verity in the middle.
1: That would be funny. It would have been quite funny. Yeah. If yeah. Uh, but, alas, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, which makes sense, though, because It Starts With Us is the sequel so to It Ends yeah, With yeah. Us. so.
0: Um, yeah, exactly. So everyone's going to be buying that one. Mm-hmm.
1: So the new book this week is No Plan B by Lee and Andrew Child. It comes in at number two. And then to round out the top five at number four is John Grisham's Boys from Biloxi, which um, entered the the list last week. Uh, but not surprising because of Halloween just ending uh, this past week. The young adult hardback that is still number one, uh, it's c- been lingering between uh, number one and number two for the last 13 weeks is Long Live the Pumpkin, pe- pumpkin Queen.
0: <laughs>
1: um, oh, is that going oh, I don't know what that was. Um, so <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see if it remains in the top yeah. um, now that the, the, the spooky season is over. So there's I don't your... Know. I mean, one of us is... Oops, sorry.
0: No, go <laughs> I was gonna say one of us is lying as it hasn't been up to number one for a while, so mm-hmm. it's about due to have a comeback, isn't
1: it? I I think so. <laughs> so yeah, so it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks what's what's happening with it. Um, all right. So there is your up to date what's happening. We're gonna take a quick be- break and then we're gonna be back and we're gonna talk a little bit about one of our spooky reads we read while we get ready for our author interview. All right, welcome back. So uh, we're just going to take a couple minutes to talk about um, one of the books that we both read uh, during October. You know, it's it's October, it's Halloween, it's spooky season. You know, we both like to kind of read a combination of creepy, scary books as well as those like witchy, cozy, fun rom coms that are set during the holiday season. But one of the books that we both read was *Stolen Tongues* by Felix Blackwell. Um, it was one that had been recommended to me a while ago. And when we were going to do our last podcast book club, it was one of the options between Stolen Tongues and Just Like Home. And obviously we went with Just Like Home. So we went back on our own and read Stolen Tongues. So, um, so I finished it first and then Liz, you finished it. And as I was reading it, I kept kind of like telling people and posting and commenting about like how creepy it was. Um, so Liz, what were your, what are your thoughts about that?
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. It was a really creepy read. I'd say it's probably, it was probably my favorite read of, of November. Um, it was a, a sort of book that you just couldn't put down. They, they did really well at building kind of the tension um and they kept on leaving it on for a cliffhanger. It's one of those ones where you have to keep reading because every single time you try and stop, something happens. And you're like, oh, what, what's going on now? What's going on now? Um, but no, I, the writing was really good. Mm-hmm. I really liked the setting. Um, it was altogether just a really good book, I thought. And the creepy level was, yeah. It yeah. made you feel very uncomfortable at times,
1: and I love the of this ca- stuff was
0: just like, oh,
1: yeah, and I love the characters, and you know in the setting it did split it split between mm-hmm. their home and like you know a suburban kind of metropolitan area, um where you don't really think that the creepy stuff would happen, but the other half of the book does take place in a very isolated mountain cabin it's freezing it's snowy they kind of like get snowed in um all of the the settings for the creepy things but i think what was really mm-hmm. creepy is the stuff that was happening in that cabin and in the, the surrounding woods on the mountain <laughs> followed them home and yeah you know yeah. they're like oh we're gonna get out of the setting it, it, it's just like you know um you leave where the stuff is happening. and You assume you're gonna get away from it, but it actually, because it's like more of like this like I, I don't it's like supernatural kind of thing is yeah. able to follow you. It's it like literally is. And I think this is one of the things I said early on in the book. It's like, um, it's like a house built on an Indian burial ground, and. You know, there very much is some connection because there is a native tribe that lives in the mountains that they seek help from, and mm-hmm. um, and I loved those characters like Nathan and um, Way. Yeah. They they were fantastic characters, and um, they they were caring, they were compassionate, and I think that that's it sucked because we liked them. <laughs>
0: They were, yeah, I really liked Nathan and Tua. Um, They were written really well and they were just like really nice kind of supporting characters. I mean, sometimes you get supporting characters where you just think they were just put there for no reason. But these ones, they actually had a purpose and they kind of helped move the story along. But, yeah, no, the scariest thing was definitely the, the log cabin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's as it is, it's your stereotypical scary location. Um, Stephen King and other writers have used it many times because an abandoned log cabin in the middle of the woods being snowed in is y- your typical scary scene. Mm-hmm. I'd be pretty scared if, if that happened to me. Yeah. Um, and then add on top of it all these other scary things going on. Yeah. And like, then, like Obviously, there's some things we can mention that won't be spoilers, such as the dream catcher. Uh, oh that was super creepy.
1: You know, super and I creepy. and I I don't think I was super <laughs> creeped out by it when when um we first saw it in the in the when they were in the mountains. I think what creeps yeah. me out is when he saw yeah. another dream catcher at home, like in the woods surrounding his house mm-hmm. at home. That creeped me out. And I'm like, Oh uh but but yeah. yeah. So
0: that- it was because the material used
1: mm-hmm. to make that one. And it's just like, it's just like oh. yeah, it's just, it's the idea that these things are following, you know, and, and it's not really mm. a spoiler because it, it's, you know, you, you hear this on like in the, the blurbs of the book. But while they're up at the cabin at the beginning of the book, they hear these noises. They hear like the sounds of, of, of people, um, calling out to them from the woods they hear like children crying they hear like all these disembodied voices surrounding them um but that's mm-hmm. just how it starts with just the voices then you begin to escalate throughout to begin to um see that they're not always disembodied voices that uh yeah. th- there's just there's just like then like the the, the shadows that you see moving outside the dark window and the footprints you see yeah. in the snow circling the house and walking back and, like, and leading back into the forest. And there's just so many little things um, that just... It, it. And for me, supernatural stuff like that creeps me out. It doesn't scare me. Like, I wasn't scared, but it was definitely creepy. And supernatural stuff is what creeps me out.
0: Yeah, I think it was... The one thing that did make it especially creepy is that it wasn't in your face horror, kind of jump scare style. It was all the little kind of small details. It was the little kind of subtle hints and subtle suggestions that kind of built up and started making you feel like on edge and think, okay, this isn't right. Something's going on. What's going on? Yeah. It was all those little kind of background information that you may not notice at first. And then you start seeing more and more.
1: Yeah, and And then you
0: realize that this, this, yeah, this isn't right.
1: And then, and then everything with Faye, his fiance, because it's like these, 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 the supernatural, these voices, this whatever they are, are Mm. able to, in many ways, kind of possess her while she sleeps. And there are those like exorcist moments, like when she's like the descriptions of her like sleepwalking during the night and the things she does and the things she says is like, it's like, like you think about the, yeah. So the, the main guy in the book is named Felix, just like the author. Um, so it's Felix and Faye. And so like Felix is having to watch his fiance go through these experiences at night, sleepwalking, acting possessed, all of the stuff. And so then they're, they're, also going on like lack of sleep and you know that whenever you're doing a lack of sleep you're more susceptible to all sorts of things so oh, that yeah. just added to it so it, yeah so it was just and,
0: everything and, goes up
1: yeah but there was also that mystery like there was a reason that this mm. entity whatever was so intrigued in getting um in getting to Faye. and it's like part of the yeah. the, the, the hook of the book was What is it about Faye that they needed to find out?
0: That was emotional. Yeah. Obviously, we're not going to say what it is, but that was emotional. Yeah. Also, I hate her her parents. Her parents are... hated them. People hate them with a passion.
1: Like, how could anybody, anybody, they lied, you know, to them as adults. They lied to her as a child. Like, oh... Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's okay. You, you you just go off to to this um, cabin where bad things may or may not happen to you. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know. It's like what? Tell them. Oh my god. And why? Why? Why did they think it was a good idea to let them go to the cabin? Like.
0: Because they're, they're idiots. It's mm-hmm. just bad parenting.
1: Horrible parenting. <laughs> the most ridiculous parenting. Um. You know. And and the ending. The ending is very like. Gives you lots of good closure. I think that it was a little almost too simple of a closure at the end. Like they're just like, okay, we're done. Um mm. but but it did give you closure. It, it did seal up with a nice yeah, pretty bow at the is. end of the book.
0: No, I do agree. It did it was a little bit rushed at the end. Um like certain events that I just felt I mean, it was more the shock factor. It was like, this happens, and then suddenly goes on to the next thing. Like yeah. some of the most, some of the worst events, which I hated and that was so sad. Um, it happened too quickly. It just, and then they just, that's it. Yeah. Move on kind of thing. Wow. Yeah. I will I say. I couldn't move on.
1: <laughs> you got to move on. <laughs> um, but no. one of my absolute favorite characters was Carrot the Parrot. <laughs> Carrot was awesome. Carrot was, yeah. Cara but okay, was so pretty awesome. I, like I said, it, the book didn't scare me. There were moments that creeped me out, but I think what creeped me out the most was when you have this parrot, who we know parrots, you know, they're trained, they repeat things, they're they're taught to say certain things. So mm-hmm. when you hear a parrot say something that you know they probably weren't trained by people to say and it's like um you know he's in the hallway don't let him in he's in the hallway (laughs) don't let him in it's like holy crap like that that sends chills down my back i'm like don't open the door don't open the door
0: Um, that is why i never want a parrot i absolutely never want to get a parrot
1: (laughs) (laughs) and i'm just like who is talking to this parrot and why does this parrot know that there's something in the hallway? <laughs> so, yeah, so that was, oh, and, and, and honestly, that's how the book kind of starts off. Like it starts off like, mm. you know, right, right into the, the midst of it all. Oh, God, yeah,
0: right in the middle. It was, it was, yeah, it was a big kind of big bang for the beginning. Yeah. Um, And then it just doesn't really stop. Mm-mm. It's, I, it was really good pacing, I felt. Like, there was no scenes that I just felt, oh, come on, hurry up, get on with it kind of thing. Yeah. I didn't really think it was – those two slower paces, slower kind of chapters at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, there were moments where – the pacing was good, but there was moments where I felt like it was like – it was almost like the same stuff was happening every night. Um, oh, that's true, yeah. But what, what was good to help break that monotony up a little bit were the things that they were trying to do, like – you know, you know, reaching out to, to Angela and Nathan and T Way and you know, and doing different things and talking to different people and going different places, trying to figure out
2: yeah.
1: like what was going on, how do they stop this? Because obviously they didn't want to live their whole lives like this. Um, you know, no one was sleeping, she was being tormented. Like I did I did like kind of that process of it.
0: Yeah, no, definitely.
1: Yeah. So, Definitely agree. But overall, it was a great spooky book. So if you haven't read it, put it on your list for creepy horror books um, because it, I thought it was a great a great October read.
0: No, I completely agree. Um, it was a really good creepy read. So yeah, that it's, that is Stolen Tongues by Felix Blackwell. Yep. Uh, last thing before we have Jason on the show. Uh, we'll just go through our usual new and upcoming releases. So just a few this month. Um, we've got Now Is Not The Time To Panic by Kevin Wilson. That's coming out in the US on November 8th and 15th of November for the UK. Uh, Gleanings by Neil Jesus which we are both very excited about as it is part of the Scythe series. Um, it's short stories, I believe, isn't it? Short stories about about the Scythe
1: Yeah, they might be. I don't know if they're like short stories or if they're more like little mini novellas. Anthology. Yeah,
0: yeah. And that is coming out in America on the eighth of November, and the UK on the tenth of November. So only a few more days left. Um, And finally, we've got Heart of the Sun Warrior by Sue Lin Tan, and this is the sequel to The Daughter of the Moon Goddess. I have the book, the first one, but I haven't read it yet. It's one of those very late books, which I have only read probably about two or three books out of. By now, I've probably got about 12,
2: 15 books from them,
0: <laughs> um, from the very late monthly box. So I will get to it at some point. But that comes out um, in the US on the 15th of November and in the UK on the 10th of November. So, again, we've got very kind of... Uh, just set dates everything in the UK is coming out either on the 10th or 15th Mm -hmm. and in the US it seems to be the 8th and the 15th yeah this
1: this week is a big a big release week
0: yeah Mm, big big release yeah so yeah that is all of our new and upcoming releases
1: awesome all right well then we're going to take our last little break and when we come back we will be joined by um, Jason Rekulik and we will start talking about Hidden Pictures we'll be right back Welcome back. Uh, we are so excited to be back and to welcome Jason uh, Rakulik with us. He is the author of the best-selling um, novel, Hidden Pictures, which if you haven't read it, you've got to pick it up and you've got to make sure that you have a copy of the book that allows you to see the pictures um, because obviously hidden pictures, there are pictures to be looked at. Um, so Jason, is uh, he has worked for many years as a publisher of Quirk Books, an independent press headquarters. Quartered in Philadelphia, where he edited more than a dozen New York Times bestsellers, his debut novel *The Impossible Fortress* was a finalist for the Edgar Award, and his new novel *The Bestselling Hidden Pictures* is currently being translated into 25 languages and countries across the world. And this is my favorite part: um, it is also being adapted into a feature film by Netflix, and Jason himself is writing the screenplay. He lives in Philadelphia with his wife and family. I, before we start, am so excited to see this adaptation because, you know, as anyone who loves reading and loves books, like as, as I read, I, I picture it in my head and there's just so much in hidden pictures, um, that you create, but it's, it's paralleled with the pictures that are provided to you, um, by, by little Teddy. So Jason, just to get us started, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into writing?
3: Um, sure. Well, I mean, I've always been, you know, I've always been writing, um, since I was a kid, you know, I was one of these kids who was drawing comics in school and, you know, making little comic books, stapling them together and selling them for like 10 cents, like that kind of thing. And, um, and then I guess when I was around 20, I started really seriously, like applying myself thinking, okay, I'm actually going to try to do this seriously and I, and I and i started like writing like in a dedicated way like every day i get up early or stay up late or you know well it was easier when i was 20 honestly um,
1: <laughs> everything's know. easier when you're 20
3: um, but then you know once i got older and married and had kids i would you know i uh, i was i was working a day job you know so i would have to just carve out time and um and i probably wrote for like 20 years without publishing anything i mean a long time mm-hmm. um but uh i don't know i enjoy it i liked i liked it like i i it was never in, it was always my favorite time of the day um and i felt like i was getting better did you um, did
1: you find that you do you write better at night or in the mornings?
3: Well, now I write in the morning. Like, I try to make it the first thing I do. I try to, like, you know, grab a cup of coffee and just go. Um, so, but when I was younger, I did it at night. So, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe my biological rhythm. I mean, you know, the thing is, when, once you have kids, like, everything changes. So, you know, you're up at 6.30 in the morning to get them out to school, so... Um, I don't know, somehow I shifted into this morning pattern and, huh. uh, and I've been stuck with it ever since.
0: Awesome. So so when you are writing, kind of who or, or what inspires you in your writing, do you have any particular authors that particularly inspire you? Um,
3: I like a lot of different authors. I try to read as widely as I can. I'll read anything, all different kinds of books, fiction, nonfiction. Um, so I don't know that there's any, like, author in particular that I look to um but I mean I do read a lot of uh suspense novels mm. like that's sort of like my go-to genre like suspense thrillers mystery a little bit of horror uh, um but I like everything I, I'll read legal thrillers Matthew Perry has a memoir out now the the Friends actor and I'm mm-hmm. like, want to so read it. That, yeah. I I want to know what happened <laughs>
2: I, mean. I love the drama uh, exactly <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> and then kevin wilson has a book coming out on tuesday i love him he wrote that book nothing to see here so i'll buy that like the day it comes out yeah. I'm just, like a huge fan of his stuff the, really curious
1: read. uh now's not a time to panic uh, yeah yeah i'm looking forward to that one too i think that was good. good
3: so, yeah. so what are you I currently reading at the moment uh, right now, I'm rereading a book I read a few years ago called Defending Jacob by William Landay. Um, legal thriller. Really good. So, so, so good. Okay. Uh, if you haven't read it, great story about a family. Um, it's about this lawyer and his son who's in the eighth grade is accused. There's a boy who dies in the town. He's like just murdered. And, um, and his son gets accused of the murder and his son is in the eighth grade. And he's like, well, of course my son didn't do it, you know. Yeah man it is good um i'm not like a big legal thriller person but this book is like more about family Mm -hmm. and um so 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 good i don't think he's written a book since it came out and i kind of wonder if he's working on something because it was a pretty big success um when it came out like eight years ago
2: Hmm.
1: so speaking about family so i I do want to dive into hidden pictures um really want to hear some of like your, your inspirations for that book. So you talked about the book you're currently reading. Isn't really as much about the legal aspects as it is about the family aspects. So there is a huge family aspect in hidden pictures. Um, whether it's positive, negative, like there's all different types of dynamics with family and the families that are created and forced or whatever. Um So you have Mallory. So she's a to me, she's a fascinating character because she she is your protagonist, but she's she's very flawed um, and she has her own issues that she's bringing into a very kind of weird, complicated um, family situation. So why did you create her the way you did? What was what was so important about her being developed the way you developed her?
3: Well I mean, I think I arrived at the story before I arrived at Mallory mm-hmm. um, I don't know can we we I guess I shouldn't talk spoilers like I shouldn't say how the book ended because
1: <laughs> yeah we try not to give away too many spoilers
3: <laughs> yeah so I knew I knew let's just say this I knew everything that happened in the book before I started writing okay and so once I knew the essence of the story, I knew I needed a certain kind of protagonist to like work within the story. And I knew the protagonist would have to be someone who was very vulnerable because she is a sort of fish out of water. I wanted her to be out of her element and unsure of herself the whole time. That's really common in thrillers. You know, you'd have a protagonist who's just sort of like overmatched and, and, and overwhelmed. And, um, and, uh, I thought it would be fun if, you know, there was the potential of her being unreliable, um, which is another common trope in these kinds of thrillers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing is that I didn't, you know, I, I wanted her to be, um, I wanted all of this experience to like, have like a personal meaning. For her, and like I wanted her to be a different person at the end of this book, so I had to think about okay, well, where is she at the start of this book? You know, because if the character doesn't change, um, then well, what's the point? Like, why why did we watch this story? Um, or why did we read the story? And so, um, without getting into specifics, that's sort of how I like backed in. I almost like backed into it based on like all the other parameters that I knew about what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, well, she needs to be X, Y, and Z. It,
1: sense. <laughs> it does so then my follow-up then to that is so um so you had so you you kind of started with the story versus starting with the characters so the story itself is is there's a couple there's a couple twists to it um you do have like the almost uh, the only way to really describe it is more of like a supernatural kind of twist to it um mm-hmm. and then you have the the, the big, big twist at the end. Where, where did that inspiration for this story come
3: from? Right. Well, I mean, I should probably back up. The real, the whole reason this book existed is because I knew um, I had these two friends who were illustrators. <laughs> uh, Will and uh, one guy's name is Will. The other guy's name is. Doogie, it's been his nickname since childhood. <laughs> um, and they're just super talented. I've known them for a long time. And they're amazing designers. They're great illustrators. And I wanted to do um, – and I had worked with them when I worked in publishing on, like, a lot of like kids' books, a lot of illustrated nonfiction. And after I left that job and I was by myself – I missed those collaborations because they're so much fun to work with. So I went to them and I said, I want to write a novel. I'm going to write a novel. It's going to be a mystery. There's going to be illustrated clues. And I want you guys to draw the pictures. And they said, That sounds great. What is it about? And I said, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> um, all I knew was that I knew four things about the pictures. I knew that I knew I wanted someone in the story to be creating the pictures. I didn't want them to be like decorative, like like mm-hmm. the Hobbit or like Lord of the Rings. I wanted these pictures were going to be from the world of the story um, reproduced in the book. Someone was going to be making them. Um, I thought it would be cool if they had clues so that you really had to look at them and like pay attention and not just like flip the pages, but you were sort of invited to like study them. I thought it would be great if they changed over the course of the book. So you weren't looking at the same thing. I didn't want it to get like too boring. And then lastly, I knew that they would have to be a black and white. Because no publisher is going to want to do a full-color novel, right? So I'm like, whoever's drawing these pictures is using a pencil, or they're using a pen, or maybe, like, a black crayon. Mm -hmm. So even though I didn't know any of the story, I did know a lot about the form of the book. It was kind of like, you know, knowing the rules of, like, a sonnet, and then you have to go write a sonnet. Like, I knew, Mm -hmm. like, the parameters of this book, and they were kind of rigid, you know? Like, I was going to start with pictures, and they were going to change, and I had other things locked in, um... And so then I started – I spent about three months brainstorming different stories that were all pretty bad. Um, (laughs) And just a lot of really dumb ideas, you know, that I would, like, sort of come up with, throw it away, come up with, throw it away. And then finally I just, you know, I felt like divine inspiration. Like I just landed on this idea of, oh, what if it's a five-year-old drawing creepy pictures? Um, And I do like a lot of horror movies. I have such a horror movie trope. I was like, oh, that could be really fun. And then maybe there's a babysitter – who's freaked out, and then I thought of, like, The Turn of the Screw, the Henry James um. uh, novel. And I was like, oh, this would be, like, a very contemporary Turn of the Screw. I could, like, set it in the suburbs. You have this governess who, you know, everyone thinks is crazy. Um, the parents, you know, don't don't believe her. Um, and, uh, and that was sort of, like, the launching point for it, you know? And once I had, like, that kind of story with the structure of the pictures... Um, and I knew the ending, like, almost immediately. Like, huh. all, the, all the big re- reveals at the end, like, that just sort of, like, dropped yeah. into place pretty quickly. I was like, oh, that would be, like, the most surprising ending if, if that happened. Um, you know, then, then, then I was just off and running. And um, it took about nine months to write it um, during the pandemic, so I had a lot of extra time. We all had extra time, right? Like, I had extra time. The illustrators were working. They had extra time. Uh, and they would draw, like, in tandem as I would write chapters. I would give them chapters, and then they would, you know, I'd be like, all right, I need a picture of a man dragging a body through a forest that looks <laughs> like it was a five-year-old, you know? And then they would send me, like, 10 or 15 versions of these pictures. And and that was great because it was an incentive. I had to work, right? Normally you're, on, like, you're only on a deadline with yourself, you know? Uh-huh. But I knew that this book was not going to get done until they had all the pictures done. So I had to, like, go quickly. So... Because I'm like, well, they're going to be late. They're artists. They're never on time, right? So I had to, like, get them pages as quickly as possible. So it was a good motivation for me to just work, work, work. And then every time they sent a picture, I would get so excited. Because, like, the art is incredible. And I was like, well, even if I don't really do, like, a great job, the art is going to be so good, people are going to enjoy this book. (laughs) Even if I I fail completely, the art will be so good, the book will be, like, so-so, you know? Like, I can, like... Um, so (laughs) it was a really fun process because like, normally you're alone Mm -hmm. in a room for Mm -hmm. a year or years. And this was, um, you know, very much a collaboration and just a lot more fun.
1: And I know that, um, um, I want to say that you probably, if I can remember the number correctly, there was about like 250 total, um, illustrations.
3: it was at least three hundred and probably okay. more because I, I didn't see everything. You know, I'm sure they didn't send me everything they did.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Like the ones I saw are probably about three hundred, um, which you know is a great lesson for anyone, any creative types listening. You know, I feel like illustrators are much better about this than writers. Like writers are loath to do like four or five drafts of a chapter, but like illustrators think nothing of doing like ten versions of a drawing. They're just like, of course you would have to do ten, you know? like That's just how it gets, that's just how it happens. You know? <laughs>
1: so, how many different versions of Anya were there?
3: Oh, gosh. I mean, there were a, like, Anya, the character who is sort of Teddy's imaginary friend, mm-hmm. um, the sort of, like, fool that shows up in this book. I have sketches of her, like, that look probably tw- at least 25, like, um, different versions of what, what she could look like. Um, and I think the illustrators would tell you, if you asked them, the challenge was, you know, it's tough because like it had to look kind of simple. It had to look like a five-year-old drew it, but it had to be scary. So you couldn't really have a lot of detail because five-year-olds can't do detail. So it had to be simple and iconic, but also really creepy. Um, so pretty big, pretty challenge, pretty big challenge, you know, um, there were a lot of versions where she sort of looked like a bedsheet ghost because that's really about like as good as <laughs> it's to draw, yeah. you know. Um, and that wasn't going to work. That wasn't going to be scary. So,
1: you know, and yeah. look, because I'm I'm flipping through the book right now, looking at some of the pictures, and, um, you know, and looking at, I'll show you that, so you can see which one I'm looking at. Our listeners yeah, can't, right. but that's what, one of the first first pictures of Anya we see in the book um and it and it's it's great because you see all of like Teddy's little pictures which are your normal what you would expect a five-year-old to draw and then you're like oh cute like a little you know bird feeder and birds and oh he's he's riding a giant rabbit and then you turn the page and it's like it's there it's just like in your face bam and and she is scary and I think the biggest thing is is how the illustrators drew her face. And I think that's yeah. that ultimately is what really created the, the creepiness of it. What was it about this image of Anya that you went with?
3: Um, it it just sort of like had all the right elements we were looking for. It was kind of creepy, it looked convincingly like kidlike. Um It wasn't too complicated or or detailed. Um, And, you know, another thing we did in the book, we actually stole – this is a trick from graphic novels or comic books. If you talk to anybody who works in comic books, they do this thing where you save the surprises for the page turns um, Uh. because if you're leading up to, like, a big surprise, (laughs) you want it to be when the person turns the page, and it's always on the left. You know, it's never on the right. Uh, Um, So even once the book was in layout, I was, like, cutting art to make sure that, like, like the picture you just showed, I wanted that to be not that you really have like a jump scare in a book, but like I kind of wanted it to like function like a surprise. Yeah. Um And so we did a lot of that with the layout, or as much as I could. Sometimes I just couldn't make it work because um, I was going to have to cut like a page of text to like get the picture where I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was part of the process too, and that was actually um, a comic book technique. So you know that, that doesn't yeah. usually get ported over to novels too often, but yeah.
0: So when you were creating, um, obviously, these characters with the illustrators, did you have a clear image in your mind about which what each character would look like, or was it the case of kind of they um, worked with you to
3: to create these like create a physical image
0: of the characters?
3: Um, you know, I I did not give them a lot of parameters. I I knew that anything I was going to visualize in my head would. Anything they did would be better than anything I could visualize with my own like limited visual <laughs> imagination like, I found that anytime I work with good illustrators they're always better than I mm. am so I tried to give them there's not a lot of description in the book about what people look like because uh-huh. I wanted them to just sort of like design the people as they wished and um and so that was really all you know so they read they read what I wrote and and, and ran with it.
1: You know, and it's, it, it's funny because you mentioned that there's not a lot of description of the characters in the books and there's not, and I guess I never really thought about that until you said it, but there is one area in which you do spend time describing and it is with Teddy's clothing. Um, uh-huh. Like there, there is a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, but there's a, more of a focus on Teddy's like striped clothes and what he's wearing than any other description of any character in the book. Was that intentional, or was that just something because of the what ends up, you know, yeah. happening in the plot? I mean, that
3: that was that was mm, that was my attempt at a little foreshadowing mm. um, for certain things that you learn later okay. in the book. Um, also modeled a little bit after my nephew, who only wears orange. <laughs> Like he's just, you know, he be out of it now. He's older now. But, but when he was when he was eight, I think he just wore orange every day. Oh, uh, and he would only wear orange. So, you know,
1: like like, like orange everything, or just like an orange shirt. Orange, orange shirt. Okay. Um, <laughs> Did he would walk around looking like an orange? So,
3: you know, she would go to like Target and buy like the same orange T-shirt. wow. Like, <laughs>
1: well, I guess it makes getting dressed in the morning easy,
3: but. Hey, Einstein did the same thing. I heard, you know, he just wore the same suit every day. So, Absolutely, you know, same kinds of suits. So,
0: <laughs> so um, obviously, at the beginning, we heard that it's being um, your new novel is being made into a Netflix um, adaptation, which is obviously massive news. Congratulations! Uh, how far through are you? How has, it, has all the preparations oh, started? Oh, it's still late
3: early. No, no. I mean, they're you know they have not greenlit it, so it it could never get made. I mean, if. if in all likelihood, it probably never will get made because most things never get made. No! Um, so, you know, I'm trying to keep my expectations nice and low. Um, I did write a draft of the script, which they may or may not use. I mean, they may, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
3: they have, you know, my my very limited understanding of this is that you know, it will get rewritten a thousand times before the movie gets made. Um, a director will come on board and want changes. An actress will come on yeah. board and Mallory, she will want changes. <laughs> um, and it will, and producers and, and studios and everyone will want changes. And at some point, they will not want me to make the changes because I say, "Always oh, too close to the book." Let's wow. bring in someone else. Yeah. You know? Um Which is all fine. Like, like it's it's just how it happens. Um, and I have the book, and the book will always be the book. And mm. um, and so I'm kind of just waiting to see what's going to happen. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, um, they haven't announced anything. Like, there there have been no announcements. But they say, you know, the thing is, you see things that get announced all the time, and then they never get made. Uh Yeah. Um, I mean, there are books that were optioned fifteen years ago that I still never. um, (laughs) They just never. They they just get stuck. And I think these producers are smart to not announce it because um, they want to announce it when it's actually. Going to go before cameras.
0: Yeah,
3: oh, it's about to start a production, kind of thing.
0: So, how did it all occur?
3: Was it did they approach you, or did you know someone? um No. Well, so you mean the film rights? Yeah. Um, no. So my uh, agent works with a, another agent whose job is really just selling books to studios. And oh, so okay. you, you know, anytime, um, and, and you know, and the industry is like full of scouts too, and their job is to just sort yeah. of know, like anytime. There's like a a particularly if there's like a competitive auction and a bunch of publishers are bidding for a manuscript. Um, you know they get a logline, they see a one sentence description, and like with my book, it sounds like a movie already. It's like a little boy drawing creepy pictures and a <laughs> babysitter, and so of course you know people wanted to see it, and um and then they made an offer. And this was long before the book came out. Um, mm. so, uh, wow. So they've had a lot of time to think about it. But there's so many ways it can go wrong. I mean, these executives get fired all the time, you know, and then your project becomes like orphan. Um, <laughs> and, and, and you better hope like the next person to have that job wants to do your project, but they probably won't. They're probably going to want to have their own projects that they want to do. Um, so it is a miracle. Anytime it happens. Um, and again, that's why I, I'm just trying to keep my expectations super low. I feel like if I can yeah. like write, and sell, like, six thrillers to movies, one of them will probably get made. Okay. Um,
0: so, I mean, talking about, about your writing, what's next? Are you currently writing anything new? Or Yeah, I'm writing another
3: thriller. Um, it's still... Wow. Well, I don't know. I have, like, 150 pages. I'm, it's So it's another suspense novel. There's some similarities to Stating Pictures, but, I mean, not really. Like, there are no pictures in it. <laughs> <It's>, um, <laughs> there are no... There are no small children in it. Um, <laughs> but I think there are some, I don't know, it's very different, but I think there's, I think if you read it, it's going to sound like I wrote it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's got your style uh, in it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, just, I'm trying to figure out what it is that people are responding to. Because like, I hear from people all the time who are like, wow, I read this book in like two days. Uh-huh. Um, like I know people read it really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. but it's 87,000 words. Like it's a normal length book. Um, So, I mean, the language is pretty straightforward. It's pretty clear. Um, I've heard writers talk about, I heard this one writer talk about how some writers write with like a clear glass window style where like they don't try to get their style in the way of the meaning of the sentence. Right. And I'm like, Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. right. That's, why, why would you want to? You know? mm-hmm. like, of course. Like that, that is what – like the style should be like the absence of a style. You don't even know there's a style because you're yeah. just so focused on the story. But then there's other writers. I wish I could remember who said this. I thought it was so smart. He's like they write with a kind of stained glass style where the, where the, where the, the style is almost like a stained glass window and it's sort of like it's this overlay on the story. And they 're using like language in a way that 's like beautiful and interesting and a little distracting right because like you 're mm-hmm. focusing more on like the language as opposed to like maybe the the plot that's or right. something like that um, and I think those books also take a little longer to read they just require like a little more um, concentration and focus they can be like mm-hmm. denser, and that 's not something that I really would have like any kind of aptitude for <laughs> <you know? laughs>
2: yeah but,
3: um, so I don't know that I'm ever going to write like a sentence that ends up like on a t-shirt, you know, uh, in an Etsy shop. (laughs) Uh But I do try to like, I don't know. I, I still think like I try to write sentences that are like propulsive and, and not just sort of like empty, like junk food. Like I've read books that I hate. I hate books with like short three word sentences and like one word paragraphs. Those drive me crazy. (laughs) Um, I feel like these people are just like filling pages. Um, so I don't know. I'm just sort of rambling
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> but I love your rambling. It's very insightful. Anyway. <laughs> well, okay. So kind of talked a bit about your style and kind of what you don't like. When you're writing, and I'm sure that, you know, no matter what you do for, you know, a living, whether you're writing or, or doing anything else, there's, there's, There's pieces to it that you struggle with. So what is your writing kryptonite?
3: Oh, boy. Um, My writing kryptonite. I mean, I kind of – I kind of – I like to know what I'm doing. I don't know how to explain it better than that, but like, if if I sit down to write a scene and I don't know, like, what's happening in this scene, I can't, like, I can't just make it up. I sort of have to sit down beforehand and just sort of, like, think to myself, okay, what am I doing here? Who's here? What are they trying to do? Why is this happening? I can't just sort of have somebody walk into a room and just sort of make it up as I go along. Okay. Um, uh, That, that, like, never works for me. So, um, I kind of, it's not to say I work from an outline all the time, but certainly before I write anything, I sort of begin with like an outline of like what I'm trying to do. But if, if I don't know, I, I will just write garbage.
1: <laughs> so, okay. So, so, Go ahead, Liz. You're probably going to ask the same question this. I'm going to ask.
0: <laughs> so are you more of a kind of a planner than a, a like a writing by the seat of your pants kind of guy. So
3: yeah.
0: with regards to your writing process.
3: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And you know part of the reason I wrote for twenty years without publishing anything is because I was not planning enough that I'm certain of. Um, I know people work both ways, and some people have great success with either way. but for me, I sort of had this false understanding that I somehow picked up when I was really young that that planning was not creative. you know that the, the the creative way to work was just to sit down at the table and follow the story wherever it led you and i followed that misguided philosophy for for like 10 years and i would paint myself in the corners all the time so it's not like i was submitting things and mm-hmm. getting rejected i was writing things and i was like this is not submittable this makes no sense this is this is garbage <laughs> i am like i don't know where this story is going and i would i would stop and it would end up like under my bed in a box it was like a failed <laughs> novel and i would do that again and again and again and again and then Fortunately, for me, what really saved me was simultaneously, like in my day job when I was at um this tiny publishing house in Philly, we'd sort of moved into fiction and I started talking about other people's novels, and we were working on a lot of stuff like that was like on spec, like they, the books weren't written yet, and we would talk to the author about the story in its entirety. and we would talk about like arcs of characters, and I started thinking about novels like in a big picture sort of bird's-eye-view sort of way. And, you know, in the same way that like a, a a screenwriter would go into like a Hollywood pitch meeting and pitch the whole story before a word of the script is written. They know the whole story. They know where the character starts and where the character ends. Um, I started thinking about novels that way at work. And then once I like shifted that approach to my own work, then I started actually finishing things, right? Because <laughs> I was like, I would, I once I, I, I would just, I would just demand that I knew how a story was going to end before I started writing it, um, mm. which I thought was not creative, but in fact, I think it can be as creative as just sort of, you know, going by the seat of your pants.
1: So you have, so do you write down those things, or do they just sit and percolate in your head while you're writing?
3: No, I write, I write them down. Um, you know, like with hidden pictures, I knew the ending. And I, I wrote it down. I'm like, this is where the story's going to end. Okay. Um, I wanted, there's a lot of fairy tale stuff in the book. And I was like, oh, the ending should be like Hansel and Gretel. I want like these two young people to be running off into the woods away from <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> a witch. And, um, and that's where, that's like, that should be the climax of like this fairy tale, you know.
0: Okay, so there is one question which we ask um, any author that comes on the podcast, um, which is, for any aspiring authors out there, what advice, what's the best bit of advice you can give them?
3: Um, hmm. i got to come up with a stock answer for this. <laughs> it's
1: because it's a stock question. <laughs>
3: the best advice I ever heard... This is not my advice. This is R.L. Stein, the children's writer. He's like, I don't get yeah. it. He, he would say he had such a great answer to this. He said, you know, the people who want to do it are going to do it and nothing, no amount of like discouragement is going to stop them. You can discourage them. They're going to keep going and they can get rejected a hundred times. They're going to keep going. And there's countless examples of people who've done that. Um, the flip side of it is that is that the people who, who aren't going to make it, no amount of encouragement is going to get them <laughs> to make it, you know, like you just yeah. have like you, and so someone's listening to this, and you just know it, you just know you're going to do it, and it doesn't matter if people mm-hmm. say no, you're just like, well, they're wrong, I'm going to do it, um, and I remember I felt that way, like during the 20 years that I wasn't getting published, but I was writing all the time, I was like, you know, I know I haven't figured this out yet, but I like it, and I enjoy it and I'm not going to stop. Um, so I don't know if any of that sounds familiar. I actually think you're on the right track. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, all right. Well, I have kind of one just final question. Um, And it's really, it it really is to kind of wrap up Hidden Pictures because that, that right now is, it's all over the place. It's super popular. Like I read it over the summer and I saw it everywhere. It's super popular in the month of October. It was a, it was a great October spooky season reads. I, you know, it, it, the popularity of it hasn't really died down any. So, uh, knowing, knowing that it's, it's so popular right now, what do you hope people take away from the book?
3: Um. Yeah, I mean, it really is meant to be like entertainment. I, I mean, I, I, I like to me like it's, it's my favorite. It's it's like my favorite kind of story in the world. I just like suspenseful stories with surprises. Like it's just, uh, and I guess if people enjoy the story, that's all I want them to take away from it. You know, there's no larger meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I. I think it's a pretty hopeful, optimistic book. Um, like, I think people are surprised by, like, how... Um, I don't know, like, how people use, like, wow, this book is fun. And I'm like, well, yeah. Like, <laughs> <right>? like this, <laughs> these, these things started out as, like, entertainment. They're supposed to be fun, uh-huh. you know, and surprising. And um, so... To me, like when I when I hear from readers who are just like, "Wow, this was really fun. I really enjoy this. This made me happy. Um, mm-hmm. That's that, there's like nothing better. You know, um, mm-hmm. that's that's all that's all I want. I'm not trying to change anybody's worldview about anything. <laughs> um, I'm just it's it's just trying to be good quality entertainment, um, which I think is hard to find. I'm disappointed by. We watched a movie last night. It was awful.
1: You know? Well, now I want to know what it is. What did you watch?
3: Yeah, you've got to tell us oh, now. <laughs> I feel bad saying this, um, but I'll, I'll say it. it. It was this movie. It was on Peacock, which is like a streaming service. Uh-huh. It was called Meet, Meet Cute. It had like Pete Davidson in it. And hmm. um, forget the actress's name. It was kind of like a Groundhog Day. They were on a first date, but it was Groundhog Day. So like it repeated over and over the first date. They're on the same first date over and over which is kind of a fun premise. I'm like I'm like okay, I'm here for that. It's, <laughs> it's Friday night. My wife and I are sitting down. I had insisted that she watch Barbarian for Halloween, which is a very scary movie. Ah, uh, like,
1: was was know, that good know. because my husband and I keep talking about going to see that one.
3: Barbarian's amazing. Okay. Um you should definitely watch it. Don't read anything about it. Just watch it cold. Okay. It's, it's full of surprises. It's on HBO. Um but I as like, you know, in return, since she agreed to watch that, um, and she did enjoy it, but it was it's very harrowing. Um, I said, okay, let's watch, let's watch some rom-coms, you know? <laughs> what a sport! And so, um, which I love, too. I mean, I, I love, like, a good... Um, I mean, uh, they're, they're, the good ones are super, super fun, but mm-hmm. there are some bad ones. Mm. Um, and, uh, I don't know, the one we saw last night, it just had some problems. I feel bad saying that. I don't want to say anything bad about anybody's work, but yeah, but um, I mean, it's just like
0: sounds a bit hit and miss already
1: <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know, it's the same thing with books Like, you know, some people are going to love books That other people don't connect with And, you know, yeah. it is what it is Um, All right, well, Jason, you know Can't wait to see what happens with Hidden Pictures As, as it continues in popularity and, and we'll be watching to see um, What happens with the Netflix adaptation Because I want so badly to see these characters come to life on the screen. Um, um me too. and you know just I like in my mind in those scenes where Teddy is just sitting there just like frantically drawing his pictures like like I just I want to see that suspense and that tension come come to come to light. So, um, we always do we end our show with a very fun either or speed round um, that we don't let any of our guests get out of so we're gonna we're gonna put you put you through the ringer. We do we do it as well. Um, it's simply ten either or questions. You pick one. You don't explain it. We are very bad about that, and I fail at my own rules every single week because I try to defend my answers. But I'm I every week I say I'm not going to, and I'm gonna follow my rules. Um. So this week is a horror thriller kind of theme. So I'll I'll read. And then we'll go around, Jason, you'll go first, and then Liz, and then me, and then we just go through it really quick for the 10. Sound good? Okay. Ready. All right, here we go. All right, first one. Would you rather watch TV documentaries or listen to a podcast?
3: TV documentaries.
1: TV documentaries. TV documentaries. Um, Gothic horror or supernatural horror?
0: Supernatural. I'm going to go gothic. I'm
1: going to go supernatural. Would you rather be in a snowed in cabin in the mountains or uh, at a secluded lake in the forest?
3: I think the lake in the forest. Mm, Yeah.
0: Lake
1: in the forest.
3: I agree as well. (laughs) I love this one. Would you rather
1: be in the movie (laughs) Saw or in the movie Friday the 13th?
3: Friday right the It Has to
1: be. <laughs> Absolutely has to be. <laughs> um, would you rather be in a Stephen King novel or in an Edgar Allan Poe story?
3: Oh, Stephen King, definitely. Yeah, Stephen King.
1: I'm gonna go Poe. I'm gonna go Poe. Um, serial killer or mass murderer? Now this isn't asking if you would be one, just which one. <laughs>
0: Serial <laughs> killer? <laughs> mm, I'm gonna be a
1: serial killer. I'm gonna go serial killer as well. Um scary images or scary videos.
3: Uh, videos.
1: Videos. Videos. Um possessed houses or possessed animals? Houses. Animals. I'm gonna go animals. Um, So this one's kind of similar Cursed or possessed
0: Cursed Yeah I'm going to go cursed
1: I'm going to go cursed as well And the final one (laughs) Just a caveat (laughs) This was Liz's Would would you rather be the killer Or be the victim (laughs) Oh god Uh... That's why we saved it For the last one Jason it's horror. I guess
2: I would be
0: the, <laughs> yeah. I think I'd be the killer. Yeah, I think I choose to be the killer. <laughs>
1: I, I would have to choose the killer because I wouldn't want to be the one who's dead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, Jason, thank you for playing along. I told you we got a little uh, loopy on here. Um, oh, sure,
3: Holly. It was fun.
1: Well, awesome. Uh, we thank you so much, Jason, for for joining us and talking about hidden pictures. If you just want to tell everyone where they can find you online,
3: um, well, yeah, I mean, I have an Instagram account. It's my name. Um, that's that's probably where I am the most. Okay.
0: Liz, what about you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Lizzie's Little Book Nook. Um, you can also find my website, Lizzie's lizzie'slittlebooknook.co.uk. And Holly, how about you?
1: Um, I am on Instagram at Bookworm, and then I have my website, which is just tinyurl.com um, slash desertbookshelf. Um, so we hope that everybody has enjoyed our episode today and, um, learning a little bit more about Jason and hidden pictures. We will be back. um, Our next episode will drop on December 5th, and it is our next book club episode where we will be discussing Just Like Magic by Sarah uh, Hogel. So until then, we hope that you read lots of good books, talk about lots of books, and enjoy the next couple of weeks. Until then, happy reading. Happy
0: reading.